Hey, we are uh, really excited to be with you tonight. I'm Kyle, and this is my wife, Lucina Thompson, and uh, we have been married for 32 years. Um, we have uh, something to celebrate, definitely. We have uh, two kids and a son-in-law. We have a daughter, uh, Audrey Burks, and her husband, John. They are here at Watermark, and uh, been here. they got married a couple of years ago, and we have a son. Uh, who is in the film industry and lives in California. And so when uh, Lucina and I got married um, a little over 32 years ago, uh, we felt like we were as well prepared as anybody could be. And we had the full expectation that marriage for us was going to be fulfilling, uh, joyful, that uh, it was going to be passionate and uh, just mutually affirming. And uh, it was going to be great for a lifetime. And that's what we signed up for, and that's what we fully expected. And so um, a number of years ago, uh, Watermark did a video of me and Lucina. So this tells you a little bit more about what happened next. So watch this. When Lucina and I got engaged... uh, I think most people would have said with where we were that uh, if anyone had a high likelihood of, and probability of having a long-lasting, fulfilling, joyful, fun marriage, it was us. From the honeymoon on, I got to see that how on opposite sides of the spectrum we were from a personality perspective. Um, we're both pretty driven people, pretty kind of type A people. And yet, there are some real distinct differences. Really, I felt like we were, we were doing great, that uh, you know, we were fulfilling kind of the design of what marriage is supposed to look like. And that, uh, uh, that got radically altered uh, one Sunday afternoon. He would withdraw, like the newspaper up and kind of, la, 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 I can't hear you. And I would get louder. And um, it's... I would scream, I would yell, I threw hairbrushes across parking lots, I, I stormed, I, I, I threw lots of tantrums, really something like you would see a, a child do. She said, I, I, need to, I need to talk to you. And I said, great, let's sit down and talk. And uh, she said, well, uh, you need to know that, uh, that I don't love you, that I don't really like you, uh, the, the thought of being married to you is repulsive to me. Uh, that I, I look forward now each week to the fact that I get to travel and leave on Monday morning or Sunday night. And uh, I, I'm miserable. And uh, you also need to know that, uh, that I made a commitment as a follower of Christ before God uh, to stay married to you until death do us part and so I'm going to be praying for your death I lost hope in God as in his ability to fix it I memorized verses I could quote them I knew what I was supposed to be doing and I knew that I had to crucify my flesh every day and take up the cross and I knew that I was supposed to in honor prefer one another and I, I, I knew those things and yet they fell apart on a daily basis, and I began not to just lose hope, but I began to hate. One of my first thoughts was, 
God, what, what are people going to think? I've got to do something uh, so that uh, people don't view me as a failure. But as I moved through that, I, I think the Spirit started to take me where I was, and, uh, and He started to humble me. But beginning to look at um, how I related on a day-by-day basis, how I um, gave in to my flesh on a day-by-day basis, when I began to own that and own the little things, um, that's when I really began to see, um, to really begin to see a change. I'll be real honest with you. Uh, it got a whole lot worse before it got better. It was quite a, a journey. It was not overnight uh, transformation. Uh, we set out on, uh, as we look back, you know, on, on a marathon. You know, we were polarized. You do your thing, I do mine, and kind of never the twain shall meet. Today, I am loved. I'm cherished. I know I am the most important thing to Him. And nothing else comes before that. And no matter what we face and the difficulties that we cross um, now or even in the future, um, He is for me. You know, I'm still a fallen man. I'm still, uh, God's still growing me and teaching me. Lucina loves me enough to, to remind me of some of the ways that, uh, that I tend to isolate. Man, if anything, the greatest thing we have now is that we got friends that when I think I'm doing well and, and he doesn't hear me and I, I like get louder and louder and someone will do a check and they'll go, wow, Lucina, I just got to tell you what I hear and see you doing. The one thing we've learned, uh, that's really important and I think a key to the health of our marriage is we are very, very quick to uh, work through issues and conflict. We keep very short accounts with each other. Um, and uh, we get to a healthy place again very quickly. It doesn't matter what has happened, He can redeem anything. And that's what He's done. He's taken my mistakes, my pain, my failures, and, um, and redeemed them for good and, um, and really has given us a future and a hope to, together um, forever. Well, that's a little bit more of the story. And as you heard us say on there, um, you know, it, it was not overnight transformation uh, we, we set out on a marathon, and the, our restoration journey uh, was a long one, but it was one day at a time, which is what I had to focus on. And as we look back, you know, really the root issues for us were two things. Number one, uh, we didn't fully under, understand God's design and, and our roles for marriage. And number two, we weren't fully committed to follow uh, God's design. And... Uh, you know, for us, as we look back, you know, it was a progression. It started with selfishness, uh, withdrawal, deadness uh, that led to hopelessness, and then led us down a path to uh, a painful betrayal by both of us of everything we vowed on our wedding day. And for me, uh, you know, so much of our issues were rooted in my selfishness and the way I was focused on how Lucina was not meeting my needs, uh, how I was performance-based. Uh, I loved her as I felt like she deserved to be loved with what she did and didn't do. Um, 
I relied heavily on my feelings and just really went with that. And then as you heard us talk about, as conflict emerged, uh, I was a withdrawer. I just withdrew. It was so much easier to do that than engaging. Uh, I didn't love her. I didn't pursue her. I didn't cherish her. I didn't try to understand her. Uh, I settled for what I thought was a normal marriage. You know, we're just like everybody else. We're just working to, to make it happen and endure. And the result of all of that, uh, which it didn't take a lot of years, it led really for us, for me specifically, to uh, just a tension in our relationship that led to uh, deterioration of any physical relationship. Any intimacy that we had was gone, which for me resulted in uh, me regularly going to pornography and masturbation uh, versus pursuing and loving my wife. And as I did that, that just led me more and more to isolation. I didn't need her. And so as a result of all that, I left my wife alone and very vulnerable. And so my side of the story, um, I will go back as well. And I'm going to go back a long ways. Um, So the older people in the room are going to get this. But there was a great radio commentator, and he's deceased now. His name is Paul Harvey, and he used to have a radio show every day, and he would tell this fascinating story, and it would have a cliffhanger, and it would leave you just, and there would be this, he perfected the pregnant pause, and it would leave this long pause, and then he would come back, we would go away for a commercial break, and you're just hanging like, well, and he would come back and he would say, and now for the rest of the story, and so that's what I want to say, now for the rest of the story. My part really involves four things, and then what has transpired since then. And so for me, I think these are the four that I did. The first thing I did is, and Kyle mentioned it as well, I trusted my feelings versus what I knew to be true. I um, was a believer in Jesus Christ. I had trusted him as a child. I grew up in a believing home. And so I had a relationship with Christ. As you saw on the video, I journaled my despair, I memorized scriptures, I prayed, and I was still miserable. And I felt that God was silent. He wasn't listening. He wasn't responding. If he was there, he wasn't. Nothing was changing. Secondly, I knew nothing of perseverance. I had grown up in a home and been desperately loved, I knew that. I bought into every fairy tale story I had ever heard that you get married and ride off into the sunset and you live happily ever ever after. And so what in the world was wrong with us, with me, with us, with him? Really, that's what I said. What's wrong with him? Let's be honest. And so the truth of Hebrews 12, 12 to 15 um, became a reality reality for me. Listen to it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight the paths for your feet so that, that's the reason, so that what is lame, especially your marriage, um, may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. See to it that no one fail to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble, and by it many become defiled. Well, you see, I didn't grab hold of that fully. And so what happened is, as these little things built up, built up, built up, I, as you heard me say on the video, I began to not just loathe the person I lived with, I began to hate this person. 
I could pick apart everything he did. There was nothing he could really do that I would have said was the right thing to do. I should have heeded this verse, but I didn't. I let bitterness color every aspect of my thinking. And, and that led, led me to the third step, which is I was oblivious to how vulnerable I was. I thought I was bulletproof. I was a believer. Um, I went on business as usual. I was a consultant. I traveled. I left on Sunday night. I came home on Thursday. I had a big job. Whoopee, big deal. I mean, I had a big job. People listened, and, and I came home, and I was the merry maid. And I thought that was, a, that, that was you know, again, business as usual. I was completely oblivious to the attention that someone would pay to me that felt really good. That attention led to an emotional fear, which then led to adultery. The guilt and shame because I had a relationship with Jesus Christ was absolutely overwhelming. And I knew that, um, well, the guilt and shame were overwhelming, but at the same time, the attraction and affirmation were on the other side of the equation equally um, titillating. And yet very quickly I realized I am powerless to stop this unless I cut all ties, which is what I did, and go back to the truth that I know with renewed desperation, which is what I did silently. I clung to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and he'll forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I confessed it to the Lord. He knew exactly. I told him everything. There was nothing left out. He'd known it anyway. I knew that. I confessed that. I ran to Psalm 103, 11 and 12. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love to those of us who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far will he remove our transgression or sin from us. Oh my goodness, I clung to that. That was good news for me. And I still, though, remained silent. He had forgiven me. I knew that. I had a friend at the time, um, a soccer mom, who ended up at the soccer field with a soccer dad. And the mother worked all the time. And she told me about this relationship, this emotional relationship, this sitting in the car with the guy at the field. And, and I, that is one person I said, you have to run. Stop right now what you are doing and let me tell you why. And I told her my story, the first and the only person I told my story to, to help her, to stop her. To, I knew I, I could help her. But I had vowed I would never tell anyone else. No one would know. How could that be good anyway? What good could come of it? It would be painful for everyone involved. I didn't want to hurt Kyle. I had begun to, we had begun to take productive steps forward. And so how could going back be good? Besides, again, all the other couples around us, I thought, I believed were living happily ever after. And so I believed possibly that would be true for us. The fourth thing I began to do as we, uh, uh, during this period was I began to focus on me. And you heard Kyle talk about that too. But I knew I had a part. Clearly, my part was huge. I knew that. I had no idea what he had done. I didn't know. That was a secret to me as well. And so I learned that I had to look at myself first, foremost, and alone and instead of Kyle. And if I could focus on that part, I felt like we would begin to make some steps forward. 
the breakthrough, when did that occur? You'll be shocked to know that it was 14 years later. 14 years went by. Um, we decided to be a part of the beginning of Watermark to help start this incredible ministry. And so at the very first leadership conference, um, Todd Wagner, our pastor, challenged us with a passage from Joshua's sin, and this is Joshua's seven, about the sin of Achan. This is a man in the nation of Israel. They had gone in to conquer um, the promised land, and they were um, working to defeat their enemies. This man in a battle, they had been told to take nothing. They had won the battle. This man, though, disobeyed what God had asked them to do. He took things and he hid them. He dug a hole under his tent and buried all this treasure. And consequently, the whole nation began to suffer. Many thousands of men lost their lives in the next battle. And and again, Joshua went to the Lord, what is wrong? What what have we done? And he said, there is one who's committed a sin, and and I will help you find this man and and deal with him. And so Todd looked at us, and he said, so my question for you is, we're a brand new little tiny church. We were maybe 500 people. If you are here and you're going to lead this body, have come forward as someone who's lead, and there is anything that you have ever done that you've never told anyone, now's the time. I, um, and he dismissed us and said, you need to go away and you need to pray about that. We stumbled to our room. Well, we walked to our room. I was kind of stumbling along. Kyle put the key in the door of our hotel room so that we would have this quiet time to talk, and I began sobbing uncontrollably. Um, and there it was, all out. Um, I didn't want to affect anyone else. I wanted to come clean. Um, I knew then I had to, to confess to Kyle what had happened, follow through. And the rawness of that pain at that moment, um, as horrific as it was, brought relief, brought a freshness that I had never known because I wasn't going to tell. Because I had never confessed to the one that I, of course, to the Lord, I had sinned against him first and foremost, but never the other person I had hurt so deeply, never even knew it. And so this began a trajectory that changed everything. I learned what true forgiveness and unconditional love and acceptance really are. Like I said at the end of the video, I know now. I knew then that I was loved by my, my, my king. I know now I'm loved by this man. I knew God accepted me unconditionally just like I was. I know this man does as well now. I knew that God valued me and, and that I was worth dying for. I, had, I believed that with everything. I know now this man feels the same way. I also know that this man can't satisfy the deepest desire of my heart. That is reserved for God and God alone. Only he can meet that. And I must never look here to expect this man to do that. But I can tell you, he's a close second, and he's the greatest living testimony to the joy of my salvation. So just a couple of quick uh, points, and and we'll close. Uh, One is just to encourage you all to... Just to have hope, you know, in the midst of hopelessness, don't give up. Um, you heard Lucina talk about uh, just the fact that you got to own your own part. I, I was a, long before my wife uh, entered into an adulterous relationship, I was a repeat adulterer. It was a daily, weekly process for me. You, 
you know, in Matthew, Jesus says, hey, you've heard that it is said you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. And so that was happening for me regularly. And so getting the log out of my eye, dealing with my issues. And then you heard us talk about just taking it one day at a time and uh, starting fresh. You hear Paul talk about that, not looking behind, I look ahead. And one of the sweetest things Lucina and I had happen uh, a little over a year ago, our son, who's 25, and, and our, our kids know our whole story uh, as they were able, as they grew. We let, gave them more and more detail, and now uh, they know all the details. And Jordan called me, uh, and he, one night he was reflective, I guess, being away from home, and he just said, Dad, I just want to thank you for, uh, for hanging in there. And he said, as I think about all that's happened with our family, the way that your dad came to Christ and just the way that Audrey's now got a husband and just all the fun that we had growing up and just to think that uh, you might have given up and we wouldn't have had any of that. So, Dad, thanks for hanging in there. And, I mean, it was just incredible. I mean, one of the greatest moments in my life was my 24-year-old son calling me. So, anyway, that's... That's the challenge and encouragement for you guys is just, man, hang in there. God's got a solution. He is in the business of bringing dead things back to life. So thank you guys. Can I ask you to give some wisdom just about telling kids when to tell Yeah, them? yeah, you bet, you bet. So um, testing one, two, quick. So you guys have kind of the added benefit or the... Um, but you are ahead sequentially of where some of these guys are. So uh, something that happened in the past, and now your kids are adult children. So a question we get a lot um, is, well, how, do you, how do we navigate these waters with our kids? What if our kids are young? What if our kids are old? What if they're out of the house? Do we tell them? When do we tell them? What do we tell them? Can you just give us a few thoughts um, on that, how you guys did it, if you, you know, if you're uh, feel solid about the way you did it or how you counsel couples others, uh, other couples now? Yeah, so um, one of the things that we did, I think early on, our kids didn't take much to realize they had very imperfect parents. And uh, really, when Jordan was, was 12 years old, just as a, because I'd seen the destruction in my life, before Jordan ever went through puberty, I sat him down and I explained to him uh, what was about to happen. And uh, how that brought devastation in my life. What masturbation, pornography, what was going to happen with... I won't get into the gory details, it's but a, I was very you, The specific. way you did it is legendary around here. So that's, so, an, that's for another anyway, talk, but it was legendary. Uh, so he knew that his dad was very imperfect. And I said, hey, and you know, that, our kids knew that there were a lot of ways that I did not love their mom well. And so we would just, as they got... As we felt like they matured, got older... Then we just gave more and more details to what disobedience, what uh, dysfunction in our marriage looked like until, I guess, was it high school, honey? Yeah, that we, we felt like they need to know all the de- They understand who we are now. They know us. And so we're going to be very specific about everything that happened because what we didn't want is for our kids to hear that from somebody else. And man, I heard your, wow. And so the great thing is I think it just deepened their appreciation uh, this, this was before, you know, Audrey pursued marriage, and so it deepened their appreciation and understanding for just how hard marriage is, but also just the, again, the richness that comes through the hard work and what happens when you are passive for me and uh, don't work through conflict well. So. And I think, yeah, for me, um, 
I think as a mother, what I feared and didn't, the reason why we waited until college age, or I would say towards the end of high school, is I didn't want my children to hear the story and and have a fear ever. I wanted them to know that they could depend on their parents. And so I wanted them to understand that fully and completely and knowing that as they become adults, they then saw lots of devastation all over all around them. It's very easy um, to, to begin to see. And, and there's lots of conversations, lots of movies, lots of opportunities um, that make it very easy to tell. But I never wanted their sense of security to be threatened mm-hmm. in any way by a poor mm-hmm. decision that I had made. Well, and, and that's why early on, just the security of the relationship, you know, as they saw us have conflict, not to think, oh, my goodness, you know, mom and dad are going to get divorced because it's all around you. And so, so great. Well, that's good. I, um, that was, that's the way they did it, but I think a lot of the same principles, but I would always encourage you to tell your kids, okay, when, when, and, and, and how, and, uh, seems best appropriate and let them into the struggle of marriage, not don't undo them. Don't put a burden. Don't put fears on them, but they need to know, uh, first Corinthians seven twenty eight. those who marry will have trouble. And so, you know, Pam and I, like, we don't, there's no seeds of doubt um, in our kids' minds, but they know that mom and dad are two sinful people and they have to forgive each other. And so we don't necessarily fight in front of the kids. I mean, we have, uh, we've had discussions. I remember one time one of our kids, Pam and I were, you know, just uh, at odds, and one of the kids was like, whoa, and they walked out of the kitchen, and I kind of grabbed him and pulled him right back here, like as a human shield, you know, uh, between Pam and I. And I just said, I want you, I want you to stay here, and I want you to watch this resolved. Uh, be resolved, because I want you to know that this is what Christians do, and they resolve conflict. But your mom and dad aren't perfect, but we're going to do what Christians do from here. And, um, and so you do need to tell them, and, uh, and I think it's a, it's a great way to make uh, your, your job as a disciple maker of your children. I think it's a great way uh, to disciple. So thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Excellent John. job. Thank, thank you. Thank you, guys.